0: y'all listening to that 20 by 20 podcast the best of wrestling the best of hip-hop check it out boom Ow! this is the 20 by 20 podcast shout out to the nation of domination hot yeah. in these potty streets but we doing our thing so coco be red, bringing them birds to the ring attitude era, wwf on the leather It's that 2020 podcast, I go rare with your shorty with a frog splash, she look like sunny, but she Puerto Rican, I came through like the repo man creeping. What's going on everybody, welcome, welcome, this is the 20 by 20 podcast and I'm your host Nathan McFly and for this week I'm rocking the Mike dole over here bing got a lot of stuff to do i know everybody loves bing (laughs) but uh i'm gonna hold it down for y'all today shout out to the whole click though shout out to sm2 shout out to shite shout out to lp what's going on my brothers but uh yeah man i'm gonna be over here rocking it and um yeah let's keep it going let's keep it flowing hope everybody's having a good week it's thursday week's almost done weekend's almost here But if you're on the East Coast, especially in New York City, you see we're getting some snow, some rain, shit looking ugly. But hopefully going to be looking lovely on Sunday for Valentine's Day. You feel what I'm saying? But uh, also, shout out to Bing's daughter Ayana. You know, it's her birthday coming up. Happy birthday to the little one. You know what I'm saying? Happy birthday to the little Bing. Um, Yeah, man, there's a lot of stuff going on right now we see within WWE. A lot of stuff going on right now. We see with AEW, especially with that main event match. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, Impact Wrestling. A lot of a lot of intriguing things going down at the moment. You know, we actually saw something very very interesting at the end of Dynamite on Wednesday. So I want to get into that. Get into a whole lot more stuff. But let's start off with uh, WWE's original content. Well, what I've been seeing is nothing but fire. And the reason why I say that is because of course, you know, fans like myself who's been watching professional wrestling since the mid eighties. Late I'll say late eighties, early nineties. I was about seven, eight years old. Uh, you know, Saturday night main event, all that good stuff. And I go of course I go back and I try to watch some of that on, on the network, but just the network's original content now is just so vast and has so much fly shit on it that it just gets me excited when I hear of another documentary coming. I'm pretty sure they've seen all the love and all the and all the reaction that Dark Side of the Ring was getting. I mean, of course, they do it from a, a real gritty standpoint, and it's basically, you know, say what you want to say as long as it's facts. But I think WWE is trying to turn the corner on that a little bit. And I'm going to explain why. When I saw the Yokozuna documentary and I saw the Bill Goldberg. So these are documentaries. uh, I'm not sure. Wait, hold on, hold on. There's there's a list of documentaries called Icons. And that's the Yokozuna one. The Bill Goldberg was basically untold, which is they tell stories about I guess, certain runs, matches, storylines, and they have the talent there that's associated with it, or other talents as well that were associated with that that were there around that time, and they talk about that time and give you an inside look to what that lo- really looked like from the inside in. So I started off with the Yoko because I was pretty much a, a big Yoko fan as a kid, I mean, he was just so polarizing as a figure, just looking at him, and his girth, his mask, just coming to the ring like that. This motherfucker was splashing niggas from the, from the second rope, like, on some shit, you know? I'm pretty sure he broke a couple of chest cavities and shit, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, they gave us an inside look into him. I didn't know he was from California. You know, he grew up in Carson, California. If people don't know about Carson, California, especially in the 70s and 80s, that was violent out there you know and we know california for having that gang culture and you know they talked about it rikishi talked about it one of rikishi's first gimmicks when he was in wwe after being a head shrinker he was like this positivity you know thug turned to turned to like a positive dude type shit where he talks about how he got shot in the streets and everything and that's a true story that's a true story from Rikisha. He got shot out there. You know what I'm saying? He was out there banging. But um, with Yokozuna, you know, it was different. Like, you see how he grew up. You know, he he grew up in that Samoan culture. Um, It was told that his father was nothing to play with, you know, United States Marine. And, you know, if Yoko had to get his ass whooped, he got his ass whooped. Uh, and, you know, by the time he was about 17, 18 years old, coming out of high school his parents didn't really know what to do with him and I see this this is what I'm talking about like this in-depth story that we're getting you know and then we got and Sika talking about Yoko there we got Roman Reigns family talking about Yoko there we got the Usos they talking about how yo they used to love when uncle Yoko used to come through mind you you know Yoko is a cousin but him and Rikishi being so close it was more like Rikishi's brother and they see him more like as an uncle and they talked about like yo we did anything for Yoko just like fix his bed and do this that and the third and make sure he comfortable we getting hundred dollars from uncle Yoko and I'm like you know that that's that's that was the that was the deal that had the bread you know what I'm saying you was wait, waiting to see if he's gonna let you take a run to the store do something for him whatever it may be but you could see the love and admiration that his family had for him because he was the first one to make it as a single star I mean, there's there's a couple of them there, you know, and then there's others that are uh, uh, family by association, like Haku, you know what I'm saying? But in that family, the first one to win, like, the big singles title, the WWE title is Yokozuna. And they talk about that, that time, how the family rolled out. To Vegas for WrestleMania Nine, and they talk about how how much of a spectacle it was, and all this other good stuff, and then it being hampered by this motherfucker, by fucking Hulk Hogan. Now, a lot there's a lot of negative, you know, negative talk, a lot of just negative energy when you talk about that name, and you know he knows why. So it's it's not. It's not you know uh you know it's not something that we we don't know about. Of course, at that time, did us as kids know that shit. No, we ain't know that shit. You know, us as kids was probably cheering, wearing the yellow and red, loving everything. But now, as we get older and certain situations unfold, we start seeing that Bobby Heenan was right about Hulkamania. Bobby Heenan was definitely right. But it's not here, there, or there. But whatever, you know. Hogan was leaving at that time, and Hogan talked about how, you know, for his last run to, to, you know, face Yoko. That could have been all said and done without him winning the title at WrestleMania. You know, they tried to sugarcoat it, saying, like, yo, we were going on this big world tour. And if you coincide that with the time, that was the time where he had that match with the great Muda in Japan, and he had the championship. So it was on display in New Japan at, at that moment. But still, you know, like, that he didn't have to go in there and, and just shut down that moment. You know, Yoko was champ for, like, a minute. And then the way he wanted as well. You know, he ain't, even ta- he ain't even rip off his shirt yet. Like, the match was no more than a minute. Big bootleg drop, let's go home. I mean, come on now. You know what I'm saying? This right here was a family bonding moment. And it was just taken away because... This motherfucker goes in the office and he's like, yo, you know, I ain't going to be here no more. I would love to work with Yoko. I think it would be big for his career. And at that moment, if you think about it, regardless of the situation and what it was, it still looked at as a big win in the career of Yokozuna. And, you know, and they said that Yoko was really cool with everything that was going down. I mean, he got the title back. It was two months, about two, two and a half months later, but he got the title back. And just the love and admiration that he got from his family, like the, the family held him on this pedestal because of who he was. But like many other legends, you know, he he didn't succumb to the drugs, the alcohol. I mean, of course, you know, you, you've seen it in those pictures with BSK. He'll go out with his peoples and, you know, have a great time. But the issue was his weight. He loved to eat, man. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening right now will be like, oh, hell yeah, i love to eat. i love to get some sushi. i love to get some BBQ and, you know, some a bandeja paisa or fucking go to Caridad and get yourself a nice plate, you know? <laughs> but uh, everybody, you know, has that vice, and his vice was food, and he couldn't control it. And it's just sad because, you know out of all the things it was that and he had so much to give i mean when he when he left us he was 34 33 years old you know imagine the toll on his family two young kids a wife um, just the family itself in general having somebody you know deceased at such a young a young age you know and i i it it was just it got heavy towards the end. You see, you see a person like Rikishi who was you know known to everybody as Bully Ray said as you know he's he's a tough motherfucker, he's a badass, and this nigga was shedding tears. So you could see how much that hurt. The moment of Yokozuna, you know, life ending, how much that hurt not only him but the family in a whole. And I'm really loving these icon documentaries. I mean. We're getting to see not only an in-depth look, but a respectful look to these to these legends. You know what I'm saying? And they got a couple of more coming up. I've uh, seen that they got Beth Phoenix, Rob Van Dam, who's, I think, signed with Impact still. I'm not too sure. The British Bulldog. The Undertaker, of course. Uh, Christian. Jim Cornette. And one that I'm really waiting to see because there is a lot, a lot, especially toward the tail end of his career, Lex Luger. Now, with Lex Luger, I would love for them to keep it all the way 100, because there's a lot, you know, especially with the, with the death of Miss Elizabeth, there's a lot of touchy subjects there, and I feel like if they tiptoe around some of that stuff, a lot, not only, you know, of course, a lot of people going to talk shit, but... If they're putting themselves out there to talk about their life and career, let's hear it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Let's hear. It. I'm not saying that we have the right to demand how it how it be told, but what I'm trying to say is just let's hear it. Give them the platform to just talk about it. I'm just hoping that this right here, this icons documentary list that they have, it's a platform for these talents and these superstars to be truthful to themselves, the family be true, and just say what they feel. As I seen with the Goldberg documentary, you know, uh, Kevin Nash said how he felt. DDP said how he felt. You know, Kevin Nash said like, yo, this guy thought, you know, we thought he thought that, you know, he was better than everybody. He never wanted to hang out. And at that time, a lot of the talent hung out with each other outside, you know, outside the ring. And, you know, it was just that, that bond, that camaraderie that they had within each other. And then, of course, there was jealousy there within Goldberg because this this is not a guy that went through the rigors of being a wrestler. I mean, he had he had a nice path into doing what he's doing, but it's because he had the look. He in his earlier years, very athletic and was just a sight to see. I mean, everybody gravitated towards him. The fans loved him. And, you know, it's just you could see that. You could see the tension in some in some of the people's eyes when talking about Goldberg. Um, but every, the one thing and another thing I'm waiting for is for them to do something on Diamond Dallas page. Cause Diamond Dallas page seems to be like the coolest motherfucker on the planet. Nobody has a fucking negative word to say about this guy. It seems like all he did was help people along their careers while maintaining himself. So I'm dying to see what, what, what that is all about. Um, Undertaker had nothing but kind words. You know, everybody was just clamoring and wanting to work with this guy. And Undertaker said, he's like, I had some barn burners. You know, he has some fucked up matches, especially in that WrestleMania 9 with El Gigante. El Gigante is not known as a technical person. He's not known as even a, a smooth big man. He just, he just wasn't it. You know what I'm saying? And he's seen a guy that's 500 pounds doing super kicks, and just fast, like probably too fast for himself in the ring at, at that weight and at that at that size, you know what I'm saying? So it was great to see. It's great to uh, acknowledge these these legends who are hardly talked about or hardly seen. And all I'm saying is to the younger fans, just go back to the network if you have it. I mean, it's going on Peacock soon, so it's going to probably be a little cheaper later. But go back to the network and please watch that. Like you'll you'll get a certain love for that character that is gonna make you go through the archives and watch his matches because his matches were dope. Dope dope dope. Um another documentary really quickly I just wanted to talk about uh is the untold about the APA. Now the APA the Acolytes Protection Agency it was the tag team of the Acolytes with Ron Simmons and JBL and this, this tag team, the way it came about was, you know, two guys not having much to do. But are kind of like the same person. You know what I'm saying? No no nonsense shit. And for it, it was not mostly about the tag team in, in itself. The story I got from it is JBL learning under Ron Simmons. You know, Ron, and Ron Simmons at the moment... Even though it wasn't said, you know, during that time or or any other time, but Ron Simmons was basically coaching him through his career, through those couple of years they were together as the APA, Ron Simmons coaching him and, and, and molding him into who he ultimately became. He became a world champion. He held the WWE title for about 280 plus days, which was like one of the longest reigns at the moment, at that current moment. And he just kept on giving all the thanks and praises to Ron Simmons. And Ron Simmons is somebody that a lot of people do not give his flowers to, man. Give that man his flowers. 1992, beating Vader. Winning that WCW world title. Being a black man on top in the early 90s. Think about what was going down in the early 90s in America. And... You you can think about the riots riots in in, uh, in California. Uh, so much shit that was going on at the moment, Rodney King beatings, and we have a black world champion. You know, as a kid, I I couldn't understand the magnitude of that. You know what I'm saying? But people in the South, he wanted it in Georgia, he wanted it in his home state. People in the South who were. Wrestling fans at the moment, I mean, they showed people in the arena crying when this happened. Like, this is a monumental moment. And I know, I know as we dig deep into the history of black people within professional wrestling, we see that there were other black world champions. As uh, Bobo Brazil with his, uh, he had the United States Heavyweight Championship in uh the WWF and all through in uh NWA and you know NWA had a different territories. He was champion through all those territories. Um, Ernie Ladd, Bearcat. Uh, there was there was there's a lot, man. There's a lot that it just doesn't come into mind right now, but on a grand scale, because WCW was still part of G, uh, JCP at the moment. Uh, the Jim Crocker promotion. And for him to be on a big stage, holding that world title, and that and not for nothing, that was before they got the big gold belt from NWA. They had their own world title, WCW, at the moment, and that world title, I'm telling you, it's a fly, fly title, man. If you if you ever googling stuff, Google that WCW world title, not the not the big gold belt, but the WCW world title held by Ric Flair, Sting, Vader. Um... At that moment, I think those were the three that really went through that belt at the moment because the big gold belt was was used as, I think the uh, the North American title, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, the International Heavyweight Championship. That's what it was used for because Rick Rude was holding that belt. Uh but yeah, man, it's just it's just a crazy, crazy journey he's been on. I'm hoping one day we see a icons documentary about him because I feel like he has a great story to tell, especially being uh, you know, an all-American football player in Florida State. Uh, being in the Florida State Hall of Fame football football category, so it's it's something to see. I think he has a great story to tell, and I can't wait for them to tell it. But please, don't want to spend too much time on it. But um, go to the WWE Network. Go to their documentaries. They got a whole bunch of fly shit there, especially the Untold with the matches. You know, Mankind, Undertaker. Triple H uh, versus Mankind. They even have one that's really dope. I think everybody will like with Kurt Hang- Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon. They talk about that match, that brutal match they had at the King of the Ring. So that's something that you know to look forward to. Uh, one thing that's crazy in the news right now, and I think is just you know just bullshit, is Bow Wow wants to become a fucking wrestler. The fuck you want to wrestle for? And then he's already setting up his match. He's already setting up a tag team championship match with Rey Mysterio as his partner. Understand that you loved it as a kid, bro. But you need to work at this shit, my man. You can't just call out and say you want to do it because it's your dream. I know you see Bad Bunny out there. He over here flying off the top rope and all this other fly shit. But he in the PC right now trying to get ready for a match. What you doing? Come on, my brother. Come on. You gonna represent, represent right. Not saying you can't do it, but represent right. Look at David Arquette. You wanted to come back, and he did it by going through the indies and all those other shit. I'm pretty sure you're not gonna do that, but let's do it right. Let's do it right, cause once you over there, you represent for the culture, baby. Let's do it right. That's what I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> uh One thing that really intrigued me about Monday Night Raw this past week was the Elimination Chamber. Now. With the Elimination Chamber, we have seen now that, you know, it's going to be for Drew Mac- Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship. So he's inserted in the match. It's McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and The Miz. I was reading an article on Ble- Bleacher Report that talked about a Elimination Chamber match 10 years ago that had... Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and The Miz in it. That's insane. And the article goes on to say how WWE is not building new stars. That this is the type of event, along with the Royal Rumble, that is needed to build new stars. And I am totally in agreement with that. But are these new stars ready? Counter-argument. How do we know if the new stars are ready if we're not giving them a chance to get ready? Understandable. I think WWE missed the, missed the ball with having a story play out, which is the story with Kofi Kingston and Ali. Why not have them in the, in the elimination chamber? AJ Styles is a star. He doesn't need to be there. I don't think he needs to be there. Jeff Hardy... Definitely doesn't. Jeff Hardy's been on a crazy losing streak. Randy Orton is involved in a story with Alexa Bliss and the Fiend that keeps going. Why not just have him go towards that? I feel like that's going to be part of his elimination on Sun on uh for elimination chamber that's going to be a part of his elimination. The Miz, the Miz. Besides the segments he's had with Bad Bunny, he's been looking like a joke with that with that uh briefcase, and he has the briefcase. What the fuck is the point of him being an elimination chamber? Actually, winning. Let's say he does win. He's gonna win it and then have the briefcase. That just sounds fucking insane, bro. That, that I just don't understand the logic in the picking of all these people. And another person who I thought might have been great, and I and we've stated it. Me and Bing were stating it last week on the pod. To have for Elimination Chamber. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. But I talked about Bobby Lashley being a part of that Chambers match. And I thought this would be the anchor to him having a title match at Mania. And we didn't know which which way Edge was going. I mean, right now, from what it looks like and all the dirt are saying that he's going to be uh, paired up with Roman Reigns at Mania. And if that's correct, Bobby Lashley would be the perfect person to have against Drew McIntyre. Bobby Lashley has been built as a unstoppable force. They they I don't I can't even remember the last time. The last time somebody's been this dominant is probably Umaga. Shout out to that to shout out to that NOIE family man. Umaga was built so crazy, so strong that it took John Cena, the Superman at the moment, to take him down. You know what I'm saying? And Bobby Lashley has been built so crazy. Like, he's built into a triple threat match at Elimination Chamber with him, Brittle and Lee. And I feel that triple triple threat match was built to maybe... I'm hoping if it does mean that this takes away the belt from Lashley, is to push him to the main event scene. Not to, you know, not to hold him back or have him restart. There's no restart with this. For the last six, seven months, he has been unstoppable. And the last time he faced Drew for the title, he was one of Drew's first opponents when Drew won the WWE Championship. And that's the one that just, 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 he just barely beat. So there's a story in there that Bobby Lashley does have a legitimate shot of dethroning Drew. This is something that we can tell and imagine. Oh my God, if Bobby Lashley will win the WWE Championship. I know Roman's holding the Universal Championship and he's making that one look like it's more important than the WWE Championship. But let's be serious. Let's be serious. The championship that means the most in that company is the WWE Championship. That's the one with the lineage. That's the one with all the history. I want to see Bobby Lashley holding that title. I feel like he could be a great heel champion. Let him go on a nice run. When I mean a nice run, let him hold that until at least SummerSlam. At least SummerSlam. And then you could have your 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 big championship match against him and Keith Lee. I see it. I see it with Keith Lee. He's starting to turn the corner. Keith Lee's starting to turn the corner, but they need Keith Lee to... He needs to still be inserted within Raw. And we... I mean, we kind of feel it. we kind of feel it. Why he wasn't around since that match with Drew, you know, uh, wifey caught the COVID, and since he's around her, you know, he probably had a quarantine himself and make sure he was good in order for him to come back. That's all logic right there. But th- going forward, I feel that Keith Lee is gonna have some type of momentum. Riddle, Riddle's been taking a lot of L's. That's why I don't see him winning that title match. I see Lee probably winning the US title, but the way he's gonna win it has nothing to do with Lashley. I feel like they're probably, you know, double team Lashley in some point of that match, uh, get him get him out of the match uh with enough mo with enough enough time to, you know, land that spirit bomb and count the one, two, three on Riddle. But that's what I'm thinking. But, yeah, man, uh, Lashley was definitely one that I really wanted to see within that match. Um, Kofi and Ali would have been great. You know, you got McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Kofi, Ali, and then I guess you could insert, you know, AJ Styles, whatever, you know what I'm saying, or Sheamus. I thought it was going to be Sheamus versus McIntyre at Elimination Chamber, and they were just going to have five other competitors. When they were talking about they, they're going to, you know, name the competitors for Elimination Chamber. They could have had five people without naming Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. You know? But, you know, it's, it's WWE. It's their company. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. But I definitely think they could have went a different way. You know, talking about having these young, young guys. And showcasing young talent is something that NXT is doing, and we're seeing it with the Dusty Classic. Now the finals are set. We have MSK, formerly known as the Rascals, versus the Grizzled Young Veterans on the men's side. On the women's side, we got Raquel Gonzalez and, and Dakota Kai versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Yo, Shotzi's a star, man. And if it starts with a tag team title run with Ember Moon, I'm all for it. I'm hoping that those tag team titles come to NXT, because I feel like NXT has more of a female tag team division than both rosters on the main. We don't see anything. I just feel like that, that tag team division really really went downhill when the Iconics uh, broke up and even went further downhill when... Sasha and Bailey weren't tag partners anymore. So it's just, there's no unison. There's no team that looks like they're really together. And I'm hoping for this year that Shayna Baszler finds herself or they, they know exactly what they have in her because, yo, man, she was such a badass in NXT. And then just to see how everything's been going since uh, the Mania match with Becky Lynch, just not feeling it, man, not feeling it at all. But going back to the Dusty Classic, MSK, man, MSK is like a shot of energy, not only within that division but through the whole company of WWE. We have two guys in their mid to late twenties who are exciting in the ring. I mean, their promos are okay, you know, but it's just gonna get better. They can't really do the treehouse stuff that they were doing on an Impact and looking like all all they all smoked out. I mean, they kind of do within their within their promos but they're just being themselves and a lot of people could gravitate towards that a lot of people could go back to their you know to their times being in their 20s being in college after college and feel like how the how msk aka the rascals are feeling you know what i'm saying and they're just they're money in the ring man that move that they do where um i think nash carter yeah nash carter is doing a a backflip and then west just pushes him they did that over to the outside of the ring and it was phenomenal to see. It just it just looked aesthetically pleasing on on camera. It was it was amazing. It was amazing watching that on TV. But them versus the young Grizzle Veterans is gonna be a great match. Those are two those are the two young guys from from the UK brand who are great, great talent, generic in their presentation, but Their talent speaks for itself, and it goes over to what they're presenting in the ring. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. You have the future on display. And over on the women's side as well, you have the future on display. You got Raquel Gonzalez, who's been on a tear since War Games. Dakota Kai, who's great in the ring. They have a great great chemistry together, and they're great together. I feel like they're the ones that's going to win it. I mean, of course, I would want to see Amber Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, but Raquel and Kai look more of a tag team, more of a unison. And I feel like uh, Dakota Kai deserves some type of title run right now. And this could just be a stepping stone for Raquel Gonzalez going moving forward and possibly getting a shot at the NXT title and possibly winning it as well. So I'm very, very intrigued with that. Uh, we have... NXT takeover that's happening this weekend as well. I'm very, like, I, I'm I'm kind of disturbed by it because it's happening on Valentine's Day. I mean, you know what the fuck, man, motherfuckers got plans on Valentine's Day, bro. Shit, ain't gonna have this on. But whatever, you know, I'll catch it the next day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like Rosenberg would say, hashtag with a life. <laughs> but uh, we have. The NXT Women's Championship match, which I think might close out the show. We have Eo Shirai defending it against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez in a triple threat match. I am going to be so invested in this match solely for Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez is a 20-year vet. Seen her through the indies out here in New York City. She's a phenomenal talent. And I hope, I mean, I know it's not going to be her moment I just have that feeling. I know she's not going to be the one winning it. But it would be a fucking treat if she would win the NXT Women's Championship. It would be just a fucking sight to see. She's so dominant and she could just be that badass that NXT has been looking for within the women's division since Shayna Baszler left. I know that she could be just that. We also have... Like I was saying, the two Dusty Classic matches, talked about that. And we're going to have a banger with Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. I feel that Finn Balor is going to have this one. He's going to win it. Uh, this is just going to be momentum moving forward to a Karrion Cross match. But as we've seen on NXT this past Wednesday, Karrion Cross for this Wednesday coming will be in the ring against Santos Escolar. Who I, who I think it did not show any type of shook bone in his body when going face-to-face with Karrion Cross. He left out the ring, I feel like, more in a respectful fashion. In a respectful fashion. And I think that that match is going to be great, but Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor is just it's going to be one of those matches I feel that we're going to really be talking about for the rest of the year. It has the potential to be a match that we're going to look down the line and be like, maybe this was a match of the year candidate. Maybe we got to, because there's a lot of matches last year that happened early in the year that we ain't really talk about too much. I guess, you know, it was, it was just kind of like, lost within translation because of all the pandemic situation and covid and everything like that. But Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne definitely going to be a classic. And we got Johnny Gargano versus Kashida. We got Johnny Takeover coming back to a Takeover event against Kashida. This is going to be great. We're going to see why Kashida is known as one of the best cruiser rates in the world. We're going to see why we that people see Kashida As one of the best light heavyweights in the world, cruiser, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but them two in the ring together, with no chicanery, with no bullshit, they're gonna put on a fucking banger as well. This this lineup right here doesn't have all the big names in NXT, all the not only big names but you know the talent to have, the characters, the big the big feeling characters like. I'll say Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is a character everybody's intrigued with. Uh, we've seen the the comeback of um, uh, Cameron Grimes. We saw him come back into the situation. He's coming back into the fold as a millionaire now, which is going to be fucking hysterical, I think. But we don't have all the big names. Yes, we have Finn Balor and Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, but we're still missing... You know, Tommaso Ciampa, as we see, Damian Priest isn't on the show anymore. He's on Raw. You know, Keith Lee is not there for this takeover either now. Like, you know, there's, there's certain elements missing. We don't have Karrion Cross on the takeover. We don't have the Cruiserweight title on the takeover. So there's a lot of elements missing. But even with that, it still feels like a big, big event. It feels like a great event. And I will be watching it on the 15th. Because the wife ain't going to let me watch on the 14th. You know what? I'm not even gonna go go ahead and try to you know win that argument. Nah, it ain't happening. 14th is 14th is for love. I'm sorry, NXT. Uh, what else? Oh, can we talk about how Kenta looked like a fucking star on AEW? Now, a lot of people, and I seen on Twitter, they talked about how. You know he look. This is the way he was supposed to be displayed, and you know WWE, you know, dropped the ball on him. Yo, WWE should send this send this match over. Uh, you know AEW should send this match to A uh to WWE and show them well, this is how you build stars. Listen, let's not forget. Look, Kenta is a fucking phenomenal talent. This was one of the first international stars that Triple H signed over to the NXT brand in 2014. He, The way he came, came out, his debut was crazy. His debut was crazy. And, you know, they have William Regal talking about him in the ring. He's the one that introduced him to the NXT universe. And when people try to come and test him in a suit was whipping everybody's ass. You know he had that little that little tag run. I think it was within the Dusty Classic, or he just had a tag team match, if I'm not mistaken, with Finn Balor against Asc- Ascension, who are a big team within NXT at the moment. And he was just made to look like a star, and his career within NXT was hampered by injuries. Uh, one of the main injuries he had was a shoulder injury that sidelined him for over a year, and then had little injuries here and there, and. Within the five years of him being in WWE, about two years, two years of that, almost half the time he was in WWE, he was injured. And we've seen what WWE does with injured plague stars. They really don't run with them. They don't give them any real opportunities. And we've seen that when he was demoted to, I say a demotion because 205 Live is not on TV. 205 Live doesn't is not talked about. When um, Pac was holding the cruiserweight title, he was on a pre-show match with Austin Aries, which was one of the best matches at that WrestleMania, which is crazy It was just crazy to see and crazy to say. But you know, it's just stuff like that. And he even said it himself when he left, like he looked at it as an embarrassment. Him Having to be in WWE and one of the biggest companies in the world, and it basically it was just a shit time for five years. And I don't blame him for wanting to leave. He was at a point in WWE where he was only wrestling once a month. He said it once a month he was out there wrestling, and it really hampered his his abilities in the ring because if you're not doing it, it's you know, it's you know, repetition, repetition, you know, meets all odds. And he didn't have that and i understand why he wanted to leave we see him in new japan now we see what type of star that he can be with new japan you know holding the never open weight title um having these segments with uh with naito and all these great matches over there and we're seeing him now in a segment with john moxley in the us in the iwgp us title which is something i feel like he should be holding at the moment He's been keeping that title relevant while Moxley hasn't been defending it. And I feel that this is his time. He should hold a main title within that company. He still lives in the States from what he says. Why not have him out here? Why not have him as the face of New Japan Strong? I feel that that, that's that's a move that could really benefit the business. And if this working relationship is true and this is what they're doing... You could have Kent out here. You could bring the Bullet Club here and there and, you know, come and fuck up the show on AEW once in a while. Why not? All I know is that all the young talent in AEW better be on their fucking toes. Better be on their toes, getting their game right. Because if they don't, they're not going to be there much longer. And the reason why I say that is because AEW has a lot of talent. But you could say half of that talent they have there are not ready to be on TV. And that's not, that's not taking a shot at their, at their in-ring work or overall character or whatever it may be. It's okay. You know, there's levels to this fucking game. And we've seen that through all companies, regardless of what company any type of talent or superstar is in. There's levels to this shit. And you have to meet certain criterias in order to be in front of that camera making a difference for the company you're working for. And I just hope that this lights a fire within you know the younger, the younger part of the roster. The roster that doesn't really get that exposure on national television. They're mostly re- relegated to dark. There's some people on, I'm not going to lie, there's some people on that dark show which I feel like they should be a part of the main show. But that's just me. And I just hope this lights a fire in them and they see what competition really looks like. Now we have three different organizations working together. We have AEW, New Japan, and Impact Wrestling. AEW and Impact Wrestling being the home staple, you know, the American-based companies with New Japan being that amazing international company coming in. This is going to be very intriguing to see. Um, I can't wait for the the Moxley and uh, Kenta match. It's gonna be something. It's gonna be something to see. I'm hoping AEW somehow, some way gets you know uh, injected within that storyline, but out there in New Japan, not only being here at AEW on AEW television, let's see that on New Japan television. Let's see what AEW talent looks like in New Japan. You know, this could be, you know, a telling moment for the company in itself. So it's going to be really, really dope. Uh, we've seen the the little, you know, back and forth bullshit with uh, the inner circle. Sammy Gavada is not in the inner circle anymore. MJF, MJF is doing exactly what everybody thought he was going to be doing. Breaking up the inner circle. I just don't want my niggas Santana and Ortiz looking like pawns in this shit. I feel like they don't have strong voices within the inner circle anymore. And I think that they're the ones that should be next to leave. Cause to be honest, they could hold their own on the mic. They could hold definitely hold their own in the ring. And I feel that this is their time. This year should be their year to not only catapult themselves, but move them, like you know, move up within the ranks of the whole company, not only the tag division, but the whole company. And be that tag team that is known. Be that tag team that the champions are fearing. That's what we need out of Ortiz and Santana. I feel like that they could bring that to the company in a whole. Uh yeah, man. You know, uh, with me only talking, it's not gonna only be it's not gonna be an over hour show, you know what I'm saying? You're gonna get only one side of the argument. But shout out to the whole fam. Shout out to the whole 20 by 20 family. Shout out to SM2. Shout out to Bing. Shout out to LP. Shout out to Shice. My guys, you already know what it is. And shout out to y'all, man, for keep on tuning in to the podcast. You know, episode 141. I mean, we've been doing this almost three years. It's a crazy, crazy journey that involves bringing out our own merch uh being at these shows people actually telling us that they listen to the pod and everything man we appreciate everybody everybody that shows love to the podcast to the 20 by 20 podcast to storyline tease everything that we do man we love y'all we love y'all for the support and yeah man you already know what it is and we're gonna leave it off the way we always leave it off shout out to the nation of domination shout out to los Boriquas. and we out Shark on the flag. Mm-hmm. Okay. No pictures with the plug, he good as don't exist. A duffel bags, a hundred sweaters. Savers open doors, don't let them front it to us. I got a decline, kind gestures came for money, business. Partners, if you trust me with it. Bitch, she bilingual, Cases, funny, business. Him niggas only know you got it if you make it known. Trips to the face alone. shut on conversation, fans taping phones. Heard a little static, had to change the phone. Square bits driving, try and make it home. Who you got beside yourself? Might as well go and get it. He just want to be the bro. Wasn't cut for codefending. Trench Trenches like the black jungle cream. who surviving is on the table both black shooters and who's driving who the clarity surprising Crazy. trap things out here since the a.m. for this black cream first name basis with these crack things. Yeah. cops inquiring about what these tats mean i'm just trying to stack cream black that all black cream, cream. Black cream. Black cream. Black cream. hey yo surf you know i feel you on this shit right black uh-huh. Check one, check two. Black the butcher black coming, nigga should have seen me grinding and staying alive wasn't easy needed more hammers than hugs when mama couldn't feed me trusted the process and like magic made them pussies king me treated the pyrex in the cabinet like it was a genie probably start up a turf war off a benny and surf song at your funeral 20 niggas with straps in a church hall if you real you get your name on a tap or a verse dog 21 gun salute and a lot that we murk off niggas envy because they never could fuck with me it's too much they want me sitting back in federal custody i had enough i walked black. the plug for 18 soft and patched it up told that black. nigga i'm around get with us and backed it up what you know about black cream i'm having bad dreams that i'm down to my last few style with my last fiends brown dope black. with white cut it's like a half breed i'ma make black. it stacking and clean it long as cash green the butcher